Welcome. You've joined the Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Our show is here to help you achieve better, better love, better sex, and a better, more intimate relationship. Are you ready? Take notes and send us your questions. This is the Sexy Lifestyle. Now, here are your hosts, Carol and David. Hi, everyone. I'm Carol. And I'm David. Are you ready to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny? Well, you've come to the right place because that's what the sexy lifestyle is all about. David and I are passionate about making your sex life the best it can be. We sure are. And you know, we love talking about sex and sexuality, sexual pleasure, communication, consent, respect, and relationships. And we hope our discussions open up your dialogue about great sex because... Well, great sex matters and we all deserve it. We sure do. So, you know, are you wondering what to do if the pandemic has affected your sex drive? Whether it's a positive change or negative change, everyone seems to be coping differently. So it's hard to know what's normal when it comes to the changes that are happening in our sex lives. So on today's show, we're going to be talking about changes in the libido and sexual behavior that have happened during the pandemic and how some people have adapted to the new normal by using sex tech and honing their communication skills during quarantine. Absolutely. And we have a special show today. Um, We are going to be talking about Love Honey a little bit. They have a great gift to give away at the end of the show. So it's one of the shows that we want you to listen to right to the end. But first, we're going to tell you about our top waterproof blanket because everyone should continue to have great sex now more than ever. But if you're fed up with sleeping in the wet spot or having to change your sheets every time you have sex, then you need one of our top waterproof blankets. It's 100% waterproof and leak-proof, and it guarantees to keep your bed and mattress dry no matter how wet it gets. From messy massage oils to silicone lubes or any other sexy wetness, just throw it in the washer and dryer and it comes out looking like brand new. And you don't have to leave your house to get one. Simply and safely go to Amazon and order yours today. Search Top Waterproof Blanket. That's T-O-P, Waterproof Blanket. Great sex starts now. It sure does. And you know we're Carol and David. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. And we have a very special guest today. She's been on our show before. We want to welcome Dr. Megan Fleming. She's a licensed clinical psychologist who's been practicing sex therapy and marriage counseling in the New York City area for the last 15 years. Absolutely. So, Megan, welcome back to The Sexy Lifestyle. We know you've been super busy, so thank you for taking time out of your busy day for being on The Sexy Lifestyle. Oh, as always, just love being here. So, um, as I mentioned earlier, you know, you do work with lovehoney.com. You're an ambassador. Um, At the end of the show, we're going to have a great giveaway, which Love Honey has given us. It's a beautiful gift basket worth over $100. Um, Why don't you tell us just quickly a little bit about what Love Honey is and what do you do to be an ambassador? Do you get to try all their products? (laughs) Great question. Um, So, Love Honey is sort of the sexual happiness people and company and they um, have a whole range of products ultimately sex toys lingerie all the different ways to add spice and increase pleasure um, and bring more pleasure to our sex lives and so just last week they had um, a virtual love honey camp and so I had two talks there one was on consent and the other one was um, on basically tips for hot sex at dorm room sex um, and certainly it was a nice opportunity for me. They, they did give me product. And so me and my husband, Dave, we, we might talk about it later in how do you enhance uh, sex life during quarantine, but having the opportunity to play with and try new toys is 
um, always a lot of fun. Yes, yes, absolutely. yes, we've been doing a lot of that during COVID and we're going to get into that during the show. So, you know, the COVID stress is affecting everyone around the world and it seems like a lot of people are having difficulties with their sex lives. So you've, you've, you have a new course and um, let's just talk a little bit about it and it's called Building Your Sensual Life in Six Weeks. Yes, um, this course has been, you know, I've run it a few times and it was sort of born out of, you know, as a sex therapist, one of the most common complaints or frustrations I see is women experiencing low or no sexual desire. And I think often when it comes, I mean, sexual desire is complex, but I think a lot of it, unfortunately, women tend to historically outsource our pleasure to our partners and we don't necessarily know or own our own pleasure and turn on. As well as I think for so many women, there are many blocks and barriers, um, and that could be everything from uh, perhaps being raised religiously, you know, shame, guilt, you know, we, at least in America, very puritanical culture and roots. Um, and so this course is really about helping women in a, I call it sort of a small safe container. So it's a small group of women, like-minded women, and we come together, we spend six weeks really exploring pleasure and what are our own personal blocks and barriers, and more importantly, how do we live and own a turned-on life? Because it isn't so much about getting turned on to have sex, but living turned on. Mm-hmm. And is you help people to uh, explain this to their partner so the partner understands where they're coming from? Absolutely. So, again, the majority of women um, in the group that I've run historically are in a relationship, although that's not exclusive. Anybody who's single is also welcome. But I think ultimately that's the greatest thing about owning and owning your own pleasure because when you know what turns you on, that way you absolutely can and have the skills to communicate um, with your partner. And we certainly discuss in more, you know, more deeply and sort of role play in a sense, you know, how to have those conversations. Because I think the most important thing is when we think about communicating sex to our partners, we often build the conversation up in our own mind and we imagine it might not be well received or how it's going to go. And I sort of say almost universally, we think the worst case scenario. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, even in your life, if you ever imagine a situation that you thought was a difficult conversation, I say almost always it goes far better than you imagine or think it is. But I think mm-hmm. sometimes you just need to hear yourself say the words and practice the words. And most importantly, getting back to the, the source of the program, it's like knowing, right, and exploring, because the turn-ons are both mental and physical. And I think that as women, we do not do enough to prioritize pleasure in our lives or to prioritize pleasure and pleasure practices. Yeah, absolutely. And now that we're spending a whole lot more time with our partners in general during this quarantine and this COVID pandemic, um, we're not really used to uh, having someone else with you uh, all the time. And so either you want to be turned on more or maybe you want him to be turned on less, but unless you know what you want and what what works for you and how to communicate it. Um, I think there's been a lot of arguments and there's been a lot of, uh, you know, distress in relationships because we don't have those skills. So hopefully you're building your sensual life in six weeks could actually help some couples establish that lost intimacy or the frustrations they're feeling towards each other during this pandemic time. Absolutely. So how can people sign up for your course? Um, So they can go to my website, greatlifegreatsex.com forward slash sensual. And we're going to have a new group kick off on October 15th. That way we'll wrap up right before Thanksgiving and sort of, you know, the wonderful things about holidays, but often can be distressed about the holidays. So I really yeah. want people to step into and own and prioritize pleasure 
and the importance of that and sort of like resourcing ourselves so that we're not running on empty yeah. so that we have more to give come the holidays. Yay, yay, that always sounds good. Now, one of the things that we know we decided we wanted to talk about today, which is a little bit controversial, but also a very exciting topic. Because uh, normally we don't bring religious <laughs> onto our show, yeah, religion. Ex- exactly. So this new book that's out there, Terra Futura, which quotes Pope Francis talking about how pleasures of well-cooked meals and loving sexual intercourse are divine and that these pleasures are coming from God. Oh, my goodness, this is all good news. Um, How do you think that this attitude is going to impact the stigma surrounding pleasure and sexuality? Well, I think hearing that from the Pope, Pope Francis, that pleasure is divine, right, that pleasure arrives directly from God. I mean, it ties into what I've always been saying, like, pleasure is a God-given right. And I think hopefully, especially, I was raised Catholic, um, but again, amongst many Christian, Muslim, many religions, right, there's a lot of shame and a sense of um, what's wrong, right, or unhealthy about self-exploration, masturbation, um, sexual practices with your partner. And so I hope that hearing, it's sort of like a... you know, a, the a stamp of approval, right? right. It, that if the Pope is coming out and saying that pleasure and sex is a divine pleasure, that it gives us explicit permission. I mean, in my perspective, I'm like, I hope we don't need something outside of ourselves to give us permission, but sometimes we do, yeah. especially again, if, you know, being raised in the Catholic faith. And so for a practicing Catholic, having explicit permission from the Pope to say that you know, explore this, right? You should be experiencing pleasure, and sex is one of those pleasures. And I think that so many women have um, such a shutdown relationship with sex and sexuality because of so many inhibiting messages and experiences that they've had. Right, and guilt, which is such a huge factor in, uh, in traumatic or holding you back, that if we can now know that the Pope is saying, don't feel guilty about having beautiful, wonderful sexual intercourse with your partner that you love, of course, it's okay to do it, then hopefully this guilt will uh, eventually just seep out of our culture. Do I get to open a can of worms here? Why, go ahead. So, you know, we've done so many shows and we've spoken to so many experts And we know, um, Megan, that sex is primal. And really, hasn't it been religion and um, the multiple religions out there who've repressed women's sexuality and told them it's not good to have pleasure? Well, I mean, I think that, um, and again, I'm not somebody who is, you know, expertise or specialized in um, sort of the scripture. But I think that, yes, historically, um, you know, the idea, first of all, is, that sex and sexuality was only explored in the context of marriage and that the role of, I mean, this goes back to like the bottom of catechism, that, you know, the role of masturbation at one point in time has sort of been considered, you know, sinful. And so you get hearing now, this it, it's really such a amazing statement it from is. Pope Francis um, to sort of say that, you know, pleasure, anything that derives pleasure is coming from God, hopefully takes off all that stigma. Mm-hmm. Um, that we've historically felt. And I think that, you know, it's not just true for female sexuality. I think it's um, had implications on male sexuality as well. Mm-hmm. Again, going back to the whole sense of, you know, self-exploration, masturbation. And, you know, think about all the ideas back in the day, right? If you masturbate too much, you won't have pleasure for your partner mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, it's almost like you're going to cause yourself harm. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, yeah. So the, you the, know how many times people were told, or as child, children, they were told that if you play with it, it's going to fall off? 
Like how ridiculous we're, we're is that? Go blind, right? <laughs> yeah, go blind. Even. Man, I would have lost my cock at I don't know <laughs> fourteen. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, so so do you think do you think Pope Francis has opened up this Pandora's box and we're going to have a new sexual revolution now? Well, I mean, to be honest, it's interesting. He had written a book about the joy of love, um, sort of precursor to this, and I think it came out like three or four years ago. And the reality is, I, until I saw this article, I hadn't even known that. So I think what's striking is here he's coming out and saying these sort of newer ideas, and yet I don't know that they're getting picked up in the press. Mm. Um, so as with anything, I think it has to become part of the cultural conversation for it ultimately to have the influence. Is it and be- sort of change behavior and, and cognition. And why do you think it's not being picked up in the press? Just because COVID is so on top of everything that everything else is being pushed aside? No, because like I said, the joy of love that the first sort of spoke to this came out um, 2016. Oh, okay. So gotcha. it's like three or four years ago. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Well, you know what? You never know. We can keep our fingers crossed and hopefully that if we can get the word out, everyone can start talking about it. There needs to be a cultural change. So this might just be the impetus and that would just be kind of cool, I think. Yeah, that's why I'm always, you know, I slip it in. You know, yeah. Every now and again, I get an opportunity to slip it in. I'm like, you know, Pope Francis said exactly. that pleasure yeah. and sex is divine. Um, so I'm, I'm doing my little part to uh, spread the word. Beautiful. All righty. So let's move on. Um, you know, you, you've been so busy giving out great messages and talking on different podcasts, and now you're involved with Love Honey. And I, I earlier this month, I saw you did something about you did something about consent and respect and how important they are in the world. And, and Carol and I have been swingers for twelve years. Um, you know that that concept of consent, respect. Um, ask first, no means no. If you don't get an enthusiastic yes, it's a no. Um, um, we live that. But are these two things, consent and respect, that prominent in the vanilla world because of the Me Too movement? Is it getting bigger and bigger? I mean, absolutely. I think, to your point, the Me Too movement has brought um, this topic of consent more to the forefront. Um, and that generally we see it more sort of being negotiated and the role of it in new partnerships. Because um, one of the questions on that podcast was, you know, for longer term relationships, like myself, I've been married 20 years. And, you know, in, you know, sometimes there's, you know, committed long term relationships, there's almost like a sense of blanket consent, unless when, if you're going to try something new. And I'm all about expanding your sexual repertoire. So it's in that context, like, hey, I'm interested in a new toy, or I read this, or I would be interested in exploring this fantasy. I think anytime you're going out of what is um, well-known in sort of, I call it your green light, your comfort zone, your go-to sexual practices, that you have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, often when we think about these consent conversations, it's almost like talking about STD testing. It just has sort of a sense of heaviness around it versus like the opportunity. Like in an STD perspective, it's about sexual health. Mm-hmm. And in, in the consent, it's about, as you sort of said, enthusiastically, like, what do I get to do with you? And, mm, you know, I'm really curious or interested in, you know, I sort of say X, Y, Z, whatever that is that turns you on. Or I often say like, oh, I read in Cosmo or Men's Health and they were talking about sort of this latest sex toy. Right. What do you think? It becomes an opportunity mm-hmm. to say like, is this something you're also interested in? And I think another important piece about consent and conversations is that you have them outside of the bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, that the one time not to have it is sort of you're already hooking up and you kind of throw, you know, be like, and here's my vibrator. Right? Like, <laughs> that is not the time. Right? Right. You really want to 
give your partner the space and the opportunity to have their own thoughts and ideas about if this is something that they're excited to try. Or they often say, you know, you might have mixed feelings. I call it like excite terrified, you know, exciting and terrified at the same time. So again, in that explicit conversation, it's like, we know what we know, we don't know what we don't know. So let's try this on together and like, you know, look at the light system, right? If it's yellow hanging out there to see if it goes green yeah. and if it goes red and oh, that yeah. there's sort of an explicit understanding, you could say yes to something. I mean, this is the biggest thing about consent, right? You could say yes to something like anal sex, the thought, the idea, and then in the moment and when you're having it, you might be like, oh, this isn't the right time or I'm uncomfortable or I'm anxious or whatever might be happening. And so your yes can go to a no, like, in a second. And that's really the part that I think everybody needs to hear is that it is an ongoing conversation. It's not just you've heard it once. Anytime you're trying something new, um, it's something that you're negotiating. And that at any time, even for me in a, you know, 20 year marriage, like you never know what I could be distracted by, you know, a work event or something going on with the kids where what normally might be a yes in this moment might become a no. Right, and it's really right. just having that trust and that safety. That's the advantage of relationship is a safety net that somebody's got your back. Now, sometimes you're just checking in with your partner. I know it's a, it is a way for the respect and um, consent, but you're just kind of checking in. How do you feel about it right now? Um, and that is exactly consent. Exactly. Yeah. And that, again, you can say yes and love something nine out of ten times, but there might be that one time you don't, right? Mm -hmm. And and that this is also where the nonverbal communication comes in, Mm -hmm. right? Because, you know, sometimes people may have a history of trauma. They may not have access necessarily to the words. They might dissociate. And so, again, as a a partner, you really want to be looking at the Mm nonverbals, right? Mm -hmm. Are they leaning in? Are they, um, you know, are, are you picking up? fear, tension, in which case I would be slowing down and helping your partner observe, like, hmm, I'm wondering, I'm noticing, you know, just checking in, how are you doing? And certainly um, if they're pushing you away, then obviously, you know, you don't say ha ha ha, you know, like, and, and just go straight into it, like, take those cues and really, you know, take them to heart as well. Exactly. And then we always talk about the replay is, so if you did go through with something for the first time, and... Talk to your partner after. How did both of you feel? And sometimes the first time you try it, it's not the greatest. Are we going to try it again? Is there something we want to do a little bit differently? And that's where, you know, we always talk about strong couples having that amazing communication. Absolutely. And I want to pick up something you also said there. You know, the first time we try anything, we tend to be observing or what we sort of refer to as spectatoring. Um, checking in, like almost like looking above yourself, like, how's it going? What do I think? What do I imagine my partner is thinking and feeling? And the point is we're in our heads. We're not as much in our bodies. And so that's why I always sort of say try, try again. Because the first time you try anything new, you're not going to be as fully relaxed, right, which is the foundation of arousal. And it's important that, again, you get a sense of like, oh, okay, let's, let's give this that college try to see, you know, ultimately is it something we want to incorporate regularly into our sexual repertoire. But that, you know, so often people try something once and like, eh, it didn't really do anything for me. Mm-hmm. I see this a lot with sex toys. Mm-hmm. And it's like they don't even go back to it. I'm mm-hmm. <laughs> like, wait, 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 give it a few tries. Right. And then to your point, taking the feedback of how it went and then sort of pivot, right, and, and sort of make the adjustments to make it more pleasurable for both of you. Right, because you're always trying to spice it up in some way, somehow. So just because it didn't work out the first time doesn't mean that it's not going to bring some pleasure in the future or just with a different attitude sometimes it's going to work out. Which actually is a, another great point. I often say, like, 
you know, just because something doesn't feel right right now in this moment, revisit it six months from now, mm-hmm. a year from now, you know, sort of yes, no, not for now. Um, because things are, are no becomes a yes or a maybe, depending as you sort of saying what's going on in your life or where you are in your relationship. Yeah, or how you've evolved somehow, some way since the last time you tried it. So Exactly, because when couples come together, it's kind of like what's on your menu and what's on mine, and the things we both like stays on the menu. Things we don't like or we're not that comfortable with tend to fall off, right? right? We have a much smaller menu. Right. So it really is over time revisiting things. Like I always sort of say, me and my husband, when we were first dating, it was role play. And um, it was sort of on the roof of my building in New York City. And he was like really you know, good at being the stranger. And I'm not attracted to strangers, <laughs> right? Like, and so I was like really freaked out. I was like, oh my God, like come back. Like, like this isn't working for me. <laughs> um, and it probably took 10 years into our marriage to revisit you know, the potential joy and fun of role play. Oh, that's funny. That's really funny. So I'm just going to ask you to hold that thought for now. We're just going to remind everybody that this is The Sexy Lifestyle and we are Carol and David. And we're talking with sexologist Dr. Megan Fleming all about what's affecting our sex lives these days during the pandemic. We'll be right back after this message. So, you know, people have been asking us what's changed after four years of doing the podcast. Well, a lot has. But to be honest, the orgasm gap still remains a challenge for many couples. You know what I'm talking about. Men tend to finish before their female partners. You've heard us talk about Promescent for years. Their urologist-developed FDA-compliant delay spray can help men last up to 64% longer without loss of sensation. And it's great because Promescent is quickly absorbed into the penis and it doesn't transfer to your partner. And speaking of your partner, I think we can all agree that sometimes women, even when alone, still have challenges around reaching orgasm. So now, Promescent has created a female arousal gel. I love it. It's a clitoral stimulant that she can rub into her clitoris for increased pleasure and a lot more satisfaction during pretty much any type of sexual activity that you can think of. Absolutely. So now they've got promescent delay spray for him and arousal gel for her. So basically, they're closing the orgasm gap on both sides. And remember to check out their amazing lubes as well. Yeah, trust us. Try these amazing products and you'll thank us later. Seriously, just write to us at ask at carolandavid.com and tell us how it went. So try Promescent today. Just go to the website www.promescent.com. That's P-R-O-M-E-S-C-E-N-T dot com. Yeah, and now, and especially for a limited time, if you enter Sexy Lifestyle 15, you'll get 15% off every order. And remember, tell your friends too, that's Sexy Lifestyle 15 for 15% off. All right, we're back. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David. We're having a great chat with Dr. Megan Fleming from greatlifegreatsex.com. She is also a lovehoney.com ambassador. We're going to get into a discussion talking a little bit about how COVID is affecting our sex lives and libido. So Megan, now that we, we were talking in the last segment all about consent and respect, but now that the social, uh, our social lives have changed so much with the pandemic, I wanted to bring back up the point that just by meeting people socially and interacting, we have a possibility of spreading COVID-19, as we all know. Um, so I've noticed that a lot of people are using the consent and respect cues in society to make sure that we sort of ask someone before we approach or we ring a doorbell, we step back. And before, you know, the person comes to the door, we're making sure that they're okay with us being 
as close as we are or as far as we are and that we're still okay. I really feel that this is a new way of approaching people and being social. Do you think this will like translate a little bit more into people being used to asking and getting consent in a sexual way? I mean, I think that's a great question that, you know, often anything we don't do frequently, we're uncomfortable with, you know, we know this a lot in terms of the treatment of anxiety. It's like exposure. And so, you know, and taking something out of a sexual context, because often it's so much more loaded. So negotiating something that we all have to negotiate because this is a pan- global pandemic, I think really gives people the opportunity to get a skill around these conversations of consent. Because to your point, um, you know, it's so much to be negotiated, like whether it's somebody that's sort of in your inner circle, a close friend uh, or family member, or, it, you know, so for people who are dating, it's meeting somebody new. And what is sort of their comfort level, like, you know, the socially distanced with or with masks on, you know, there's just so much to negotiate there. And that's it's, uh, forefront of our minds because it's literally about safety of ourselves and our loved ones. Mm-hmm. And I was I was noticing at one family gathering that we had just as some friends came over and my daughter was in the room and she definitely stepped back and far away from people. She's very sensitive to this COVID thing. She's very aware of what's going on. Um, and I was kind of hoping that she would say something like, you know, like the guy was crowding her, getting closer than she was comfortable, but she didn't come out and actually say the words. And I'm kind of hoping that people will learn to say and talk and communicate where uh, and where maybe someone's not respecting the distance or whatever. And I think it's an opportunity to practice these um, consent and uh, respect cues and hopefully will translate into other, uh, other opportunities like sexual opportunities. Well, I think another important, I mean, so many important things what you just said. I mean, one is what an opportunity with your daughter to hold the curiosity. Was she even aware that she was uncomfortable and that she wasn't using a word, so to say? Because, again, was it the fact that as an adult, right, maybe feeling more of an authority? I mean, this comes in a lot around consent, right, mm-hmm. and um, the nature of the relationship. And sometimes, especially as children and or as women, you know, we don't necessarily feel we have the authority um, over our own experience and our own bodies, and therefore we're sort of letting somebody else's wishes um, sort of come above and beyond our own. So I think it's really important that, first of all, we're always aware where we're at, what our comfort level is, and when it feels like somebody's getting too close, that we know we can practice, right, ways of saying that that doesn't feel confrontational, mm-hmm. um, but just feels limit setting and really holding your own personal boundary. Mm-hmm. And I don't know at what point in this COVID pandemic, I'm sure it's going to be lasting for the next few years, at what point are we actually going to learn to tell people, well, I'm at this level of fear <laughs> during pandemic, and you might be less comfortable, more comfortable than I am, um, but I'm not. So like you stand back there and keep your distance. And I'm hoping that in general, people will find a way to talk about it uh, similar as you should when you have a sexual encounter. Absolutely. Hmm. And I think, again, because it's something, you know, sexual encounters and new partners um, or trying new things sexually is not necessarily um, something you're doing on a daily basis. And yet negotiating um, safety and social distancing is something that we are having to navigate mm-hmm. on a daily and consistent basis. So, again, I really do think the frequency of which, which we're having conversations, which may have historically been uncomfortable, just comes 
like habitually, right? It just becomes a part of our comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I really hope it works out that way. So let's just switch back to the next topic, which we want to talk about how our libido and our sex drive has been affected by the pandemic and quarantine and et cetera. But let's start by talking about what is the libido and how does it work? Absolutely. I mean, again, when we think about libido, there's often a lot of words we might use like horniness or drive. And I think it really sort of constitutes in the sense of that enthusiasm for sex, that wanting or, you know, in a sexual context, we refer to it more as like spontaneous desire. Um, and, you know, I always sort of use that as an educational point to realize not all desire comes from spontaneous desire. There's always the role of responsive desire. I sort of refer to it like when you're a cold engine, it's not even on your radar, um, which again can be a topic of a different conversation. But coming back to most people are thinking about libido in terms of the wanting and the interest and the enthusiasm for sex. And so what affects our libido? Well, I always sort of say the number one killer of libido is stress. Um, And now more than ever, it's such a pandemic. And the other thing about stress is we're living in a time of uncertainty. And we know from research that not knowing what's about to happen or how something's going to go actually causes more stress than preparing for something we know is going to go bad or that the unknown of it is really for in our nervous system that much more um, disconcerting and unsettling. And the point is, if you're in fear or stress, like, you know, think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, (laughs) basic needs of safety, security, stability have to get met before, you know, pleasure and passion. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really important we normalize it under stressful times that when you're experiencing, because so many people are, either depression, anxiety, loss of sexual interest, that they don't be, they, they have compassion for themselves, right? They don't get harsh or judgmental because there's so much about why that makes complete sense. So when we talk about being happy, healthy, and horny, it all goes together because you need that happy factor. You need to be feeling safe in order for your libido to naturally come about and have that horny feeling. Absolutely. Because again, arousal is, it's a reflex. You can't command yourself to be horny or turned on any more than you can command yourself to be sleepy. Um, And so it's really about those conditions and context. Uh, Emily Nagoski talks a lot about that in her book, Come As You Are, that again, our sexual context um, has so much to do with our own sexual interest, desire and willingness to be turned on. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. So now we know that the pandemic has changed a lot of people's sex drive over this last... I've gotten hornier. (laughs) Some people have gotten hornier and some people have gotten a whole lot less horny. So um, there's different reasons for all of these things to happen. And I know that uh, Dr. Justin Lamiller did a survey about how sexual behavior has changed during the pandemic. So let's just talk about some of the possible changes of why your sex drive might go up and why your sex drive might go down. Sure. So, I mean, first of all, I think Justin and his colleagues did a great job and have others really taken this opportunity to do some good sex research, right, and to understand how does something that's happening culturally impact um, our sexuality. And so, I mean, they had almost 2,000 adults that they got responses from, which, again, getting sample sizes statistically always really important. Mm -hmm. Um, And they really noticed that 50%, about 50%, experienced a decline in their sexual interest. But that one in five... Um, sort of did expand the sexual repertoire. So going back to your question, the different reasons. So I think the reason for the decline is the stress. It might be depression, it may be anxiety. It might be job insecurity or loss, you know, financial stress. Um, It could be now being 24-7 with your spouse. Like if you think about 
like an introvert and extrovert, like how do you recharge? How do you resource yourself? For most of us, having some alone time and or social activities, doing things with others is a part of our mental health and we don't have outlet to, to that right now. And mm-hmm. so um, there's so many factors that contribute um, to that decrease of desire. And I also think that part of the increase is proximity, having more time on your hands, like yeah. for some people. Um or even long distance, the creativeness of like, how do we create and keep that connection? Um, and so it, it helps people think out of the box a little bit more, or be willing to maybe try new things. So we certainly have seen, uh, like Love Honey and other uh, sex toy companies have seen definitely an increase in sales, um, because I think new people are trying new sexual toys, exploring new positions, sexting, exploring fantasies. Um, and I think that, again, when it comes to, you know, the role of orgasm, it is in and of itself an ability to relieve tension in the body. And so for some, their sexuality revs up because it's a way of they're decreasing that tension. And for others, like I said, depends on your own endocrine system and many different factors. Um, it, you know, think about fight flight. One is activating and one is sort of minimizing and constricting. And I think we're seeing the same thing happening around sexuality. Mm-hmm. So in our, in our third segment, Great Sex Matters, we're going to talk about how your sex life has uh, gotten better or different during the pandemic. I know Carol and I, um, who, you know, we're swingers, um, our, our sexuality, our sex lives have changed while they came to an abrupt halt because we obviously couldn't play with other people since, um, since March. But it has definitely forced us to think outside the box. We've been having sex in different places in the house. We've been um, exploring a whole bunch of sex toys that we've had that have been sitting in the closet that we haven't taken out because we still have our favorite go-tos, but we've taken out some new ones. A shout out to Bunny Lampert from Sibian. Uh, we've given the Sibian a good ride good <laughs> for the last couple nice. of months. Nice. Um, and we've really practiced mutual masturbation we've watched each other masturbate um, we've learned from it we've communicated a lot and it's been a, a very open and and growing experience for us sexually i mean that's fantastic because i think um as you said sometimes people have been so busy or in your case enjoying playing with other partners that you know you haven't had the time or energy or need to revisit things like expand that repertoire you're just basically staying in your wheelhouse of the sort of the go-tos like your vanilla and chocolate ice cream. And so um, it really is an opportunity um, to be trying on new things or, as you said, revisiting things that you haven't looked at in a very long time. And also just remember that we are in a very safe space. We don't have as many stresses as maybe other people have who are apart or who have lost their jobs. Uh, And so we do have the opportunity to continue that happy factor and that's making us feel uh, really horny these days, and we're we're taking advantage of that situation that we have. And I also think, I mean, again, everybody is unique, and I believe everyone is their own expert. Um, but that, in general, having sex, thinking about sex, put sex more on the brain and on the mind, and there it's like sex and good sex in particular, right? Begets more sex. Right. When you get shut down and disconnected um, from your sexuality. It, like I said, it can be like feeling like a cold engine. You, it, there's no distress. You don't even miss it. That's, again, going back to my building your sensual life. I have a lot of women say to me, you know, if I never had sex another day in my life, I'm okay with that. And I'm like, like that's nailed to the chalkboard mm-hmm. to me. Because it's like either you've never really known pleasure and what's possible 
or something's happened, again, it could be depression, it could be the dynamic of your relationship, it could be the sex you were having didn't feel worth having, but ultimately, to me, that's a big red flag that you're getting cut off from a source of pleasure and vitality. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so, I mean, this is the reason why there are sexologists, there are people out there, there's marriage counselors, because all of this is what makes life worth living. This is what makes us happy. And this is what makes us healthy. And, you know, it all goes hand in hand. Absolutely. So I mean, it goes back to my my website's great life, great sex. And the whole point is like living a turned on life. Like, listen, we all get to define what that looks like for us. And um, like in your case, it's swinging and being with other couples. And in my case, I'm in a committed monogamous relationship. I have other people who are in um, consensual non-monogamy. I mean, there's so many, as you know, ways your sexual life can look like. Um, And for some people, maybe sex isn't a big part of their life. It is a personal decision. But I do think connecting to life force, that sense of vitality and allowing prioritizing pleasure is a huge factor in our quality of life and and you know we keep talking about sex and we talked about you know trying different things and fantasies but one of the things that has increased in our relationship has been the intimacy passion and romance which doesn't necessarily involve putting a cock into a pussy but it involves you know a candlelit dinner spending some time uh, talking about uh, things we've seen uh, watching porn which is not educational but it's entertainment and just having that nice evening with the lights down the other night we were there was a big thunderstorm here and we just sat and watched and listened to the thunderstorm and you were saying earlier that people's lives are so busy that we don't take the time just to stop and enjoy each other And one of the things that we can't forget that we've been actually really doing consciously is appreciating each other a lot more, telling each other what we like. Being grateful for everything, all the good things. And paying attention to the little things that we're doing because we spent all of our time together. So those little things do add up and saying thank you for making me dinner. Thank you for making me a cup of tea. And we're actually really consciously trying to do that a whole lot more. Uh, I mean, I love what your guys are saying. There's a few pieces I want to pick up on. One is, David, you're bringing up that for many people, that feeling of connection, that intimacy, like it's not about penis and vagina. It's not directly explicitly sexual or about orgasm. It's the intimacy, it's the connection. And I find in relationships, one partner wants to feel connected, that intimacy, before desiring sex, like that's a precursor, and the other person, sex helps them feel more connected. Mm -hmm. And so it's really in a relationship finding that balance where I think both people's needs are getting met. And I also think, again, it goes through we're so busy, or we take our partners for granted when Terry talking about appreciation, and Imago talks, which is a kind of couple therapy, talks a lot about that too. You know, in relationships, I sort of say our expression is the grass is greener on the other side. I'm like, no, it's where we water it. Right. Like, we need to romanticize our relationship. We need to be watering the grass and take care of that garden, right? Mm-hmm. And this, what a great opportunity because we don't have all those social commitments that we have more time and opportunity to think about how to water the garden and really romanticize or re-romanticize our relationship. Mm, I love that. Actually, that uh, watering the garden or that's what makes the grass greener. I've been using that from you. I've been using it actually Forever. Uh, for a long time. I really love that expression. So the grass is not greener on the other side of the fence. It's greener where you water it. I just love that. So speaking about relationships and, you know, romance and starting new relationships is so difficult and, I guess, frustrating for a lot of people who are single. Do you have any tips or tricks on anything that could help people to, you know, hook up safely during COVID or even uh, as safe as possible? 
Sure. I mean, I would refer to a colleague of mine, Kenneth Clay, in this regard. Um, he actually, with um, some of his friends and colleagues, came up with a um, guide that people could, you may be able to have in your show notes, or they can certainly look up online, which is smarter hookups in the time of COVID. And one of the things he certainly looked at is, like, first of all, where where are you? What state are you in? What is your current rate of infection, right? So um, we're about, you know, in September, October, and, you know, everybody's concerned about a second wave. And so you definitely want to be looking at what's happening, you know, in terms of what are the, the rates of um, infection in your area, as well as, like, and how likely are you to be exposed? Because, like, I'm still working from home. I have um, most of my clients are, but a number of them either because they're first responders or the nature of the jobs is requiring that they come in. So again, if you're having to go in for work, you're being exposed to colleagues. You have, um, I live in a city, so it might be public transportation. Um, I think these are all things you have to really think about as potential partners is like, you know, what is my likelihood? What is my exposure? what's likely to happen to me if I develop serious symptoms? I have some clients with asthma or other, other autoimmune um, disorders, and so they have a much more um, stringent, right, need for safety, security, having no exposure, limited contact, um, or somebody who might be going through cancer, chemotherapy treatment right now, versus somebody who's young and healthy and has, like, you know, no health issues. So that's another thing to consider. And then again, ultimately, this is a negotiation comes back to sort of our consent earlier. Everybody has a different comfort level with it. In part, even say you might live or help with the health care of an aging parent or grandparent. You know, if you might feel like you're healthy and not at risk, but you're mindful that any exposure you have for yourself might put those you love at risk. And mm-hmm. so there's a lot to negotiate, but I think we really can educate ourselves. And when we're discussing it with somebody, sort of what is their risk level? Like you mentioned with your daughter, some of us are more concerned than mm-hmm. others. Yeah. And we need to respect where, whoever we're speaking to, like what makes perfect sense about for them where they are holding curiosity and then together figuring out, well, what, what feels like it works for us, right. you know? Is it socially distanced with or without masks? If we might be having sex, are we wearing masks? Like a number of sex workers um, are doing, right? And so, you know, there's so many things here to discuss and to negotiate. Right. And I don't think there's really a right answer or a wrong answer. It's just respecting everybody else's also tolerance for risk and their circumstance. So it's not about shaming anybody who doesn't want to do it. Oh, you, you're having your mask on, you won't take it off. It's not about that. It's about just respecting other people's wishes. A hundred percent. Well, this is all amazing stuff. Let's just take a second here to remind everybody that we are Carol and David. This is a sexy lifestyle, and we're having an amazing discussion with Dr. Megan Fleming. She's from GreatLifeGreatSex.com. And coming up next is our favorite segment, Great Sex Matters. So stay tuned. But first, we want to remind you and invite you to join us at Hito 2 in Jamaica. You know, we talk about it on every show. Hopefully, we're going to be there in December, the 19th to the 26th. Um, They're having their repeat offenders week. Uh, We are definitely guilty of being repeat offenders. Um, They're going to be celebrating with all their local guests with the lowest rates of the year, some amazing Jamaican food, sexy entertainment, and of course, their award-winning staff. We definitely can't wait to get back to Hito. Hopefully, there will be a new normal that will allow us to go and it's going to feel so good to be naked on the beach. Mm-hmm. Just if you, for more information, visit our website, thesexylifestyle.com, to stay informed about all the sexy and open-minded events that are happening in your area 
and around the world. Absolutely. All right. You know we're Carol and David. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. We want to remind you that today's show is brought to you by Love Honey. And at the end of the show, we're going to have a great giveaway for a gift basket worth over $100, thanks to Dr. Megan Fleming. And before we get to that, we're going to get to our favorite part of the show where we get to talk about great sex because... Well, great sex matters and we all deserve it. You know, everyone knows that this is the time that we like to get down and dirty with our guests and so Megan don't hold back we're going to ask you a few personal <laughs> questions you know feel free to add wherever you want but I heard a little chuckle there a little, <laughs> yeah exactly hmm, what are they going to ask me <laughs> let's start by asking you about how your relationship and sex life has been affected by COVID-19 well like I said I live in New York City so I live in an apartment and I have two kids <laughs> um, our daughter just turned 17 and our son is 13 and it has made me more incredibly conscientious because you know you know, I want my kids to know we're having sex, but I don't want them to hear me having mm-hmm. sex. I'm with you. Um, and so, interestingly enough, I converted my office to sort of our love sex den because um, I'm much more relaxed and comfortable when I know that I can fully express myself. Um, so we actually ordered a queen-size air mattress mm-hmm. and set it up and, like, really brought sex toys and just sort of, um, you know, you, you're talking a lot about the blanket the waterproof blanket um again it's, it becomes a play space you put that down yeah. you get into a mindset of like hmm, what do we want to explore try on play um and it's fun right so it i always sort of say like planning sexy time so i think this has created a greater opportunity for us to sort of prioritize that sexy time and plan like okay so when are we going to the office <laughs> which has really been a lot of fun and do you find yourself inviting him more often to your office or that he suggests hey we need a trip Oh, that's interesting. Um, I think we're pretty much on the same page, and okay. I think you know, good or bad, probably it's like logistics, right? Like right. You've got what's going on, and more importantly, like that we both sort of say we definitely want this to happen. So we look at our calendars mm-hmm. and sort of say when can this happen? Okay, hmm. that's good too. And do you like? Uh, have you done the role play where you know he's like the employee and he's trying to seduce the boss? No, we have not so far done role play, although, you know, coming into Halloween, um, you know, and looking at some of the fun, sexy lingerie, like nurse and doctor and all that kind of stuff for educated, like, I am definitely uh, have been like looking online and thinking about what I might want to purchase. Mm. Ah, that's cool. And, and Megan, why, why do you find that you needed to do this during COVID? And why weren't you able to do this fun stuff at home before COVID? Well, we could do it before, but like, you know, first of all, I couldn't do the office thing before because it was my office um, and that would make people uncomfortable. Right. Um, <laughs> I, at least I imagine. So I'm respectful of that. Um, so it's really the, the unique opportunity of that. But also, again, our kids are here 24 mm-hmm. seven. We used to have, they were at soccer or they were at school right. and we could have the nooner or whatever it might be. So the reason now, it's not that, it's just that, we've lost the freedom of the opportunities that we used to have. Um, And, you know, it's either like really early before they wake up and I'm not a morning person or really late. And again, not uncommon. One's more of a morning one is more of a night person. Mm -hmm. I generally find the best time for both of us is more midday. So that's where we really lost our windows that we used to have. Now, does that mean that you're doing, uh, you're seeing your clients um, virtually? Yes, everything is on a HIPAA-compliant uh, video platform. Okay, and, you know, it's interesting. I'm glad you mentioned that because 
so many people, especially when it comes to couples work, express concern, like, will that be as effective? Um, and I can tell you, I've been doing this almost seven months now, and I actually was doing it before for, like, clients who were traveling or out of the country and things like that, that um, absolutely, you know, we can still do amazing work together on a video platform. That's, that's good. Now, can you share a sexy story that you guys have done in the office or something different that uh, maybe is interesting and something that's different that has happened during quarantine that maybe hasn't happened before? Like I said, I've been practicing actually 20 years. So, you know, there's not, not a lot that we haven't tried, <laughs> um, which is a good thing because um, it's always about fun. Interestingly enough, and it was through Love Honey because it was uh, for the uh, Love Honey Camp, they gave me a new toy for me anyway. It was a Happy Rabbit thrusting vibrator. Um, and that's a tech that I hadn't explored or played with before. So I, I, I enjoyed that. It was, you know, cool. sort of, it mimics, right now it's the external clitoral stimulation, but also um, it has different speeds for the thrusting, so mimicking penetration, which again, for people who are in a long-distance relationship, their partner's not available, um, exploring these different options, and some of them, um, they have remote control options. We played a little bit um, with the desire application um, and egg that, comes also from Love Honey. Very so it's cool. been a lot of fun trying to use tech and trying new toys. Neat. So I, I just want to go sideways a little bit here because you're in a 20-year marriage, a 20-year relationship, and you're talking about taking out this toy where your husband is in the room with you. And I know when Carol plays with toys, for me, it's an absolute turn on. And there are men out there who might find that a little bit of a threat. Uh, just talk a little bit to the, the, the fun and excitement of using a toy with your partner there. Sure, and, and it reminds me to come back to get the role of masturbation, mutual masturbation. Um, you know, I'm glad you bring that up because I am um, the resident sex expert on the Girl Boner podcast, and that was the Q&A I answered this week, which is a woman who really can only climax with a vibrator and didn't know how to bring it into a relationship and was already concerned, you know, how this can be received. And uh, like, it goes back to something we talked about earlier. More often than not, when we're thinking about something, we're overthinking it. And we're anticipating sort of a worst case scenario. And so usually not only is it not as bad as we imagine, more often than not, your partner's thinking something similar. Um, and that you're both sort of just like not sure how to introduce something new. Um, but to your point, I think when people, because it's come across um, people that I've been working with in my practice where a partner in a sense feels threatened, like their ego, it's as if, you know, it's, they don't see it as an extension of themselves and their ability to give their partner pleasure. They see it as a threat. Um, and so I think it's really a lot of psychoeducation around helping people realize, you know, some women, first of all, two-thirds of women need additional clitoral stimulation to reach orgasm, but that, you know, some women do need a vibrator. And so, it's, you know, seeing that it adds pleasure to your partner, like, and for most of us, our biggest turn-on is our partner's desire. So I think that if people can get beyond their sort of limiting beliefs or um, stereotype or ego, it's really to help recognize that this actually makes you, you know, you know, a lover with way a lover with way more tools in your toolbox. No, absolutely. I do have a question though. If if this person can only orgasm with a, st a stimulation from a vibration, uh, is it not possible to learn how to get a different stimulation and make her orgasm? I'm just curious if that's You're possible. You're talking a human stimulation? Yeah, like, you know, can she find a way to stimulate herself with her finger or his tongue or something different? Humming? To, in order to you know expand her toolbox so that she's not only required to use a vibrator a to 
to uh, to orgasm? I mean, in some ways, it's a complex question because it can arouse both mental and physical. And, you know, women who have difficulties having an orgasm often mentally are, again, in their head, like, oh, the frustration is taking too long. It's not happening. Right. They're, they're actively turning themselves off. Oh, right. God. So it's not just about the sensation, the physical stimulation. So I, I just want to say that. Okay. Um, and I also think it's, it's fair to say that, you know, our partner can't duplicate right, that intensity. And these vibrators, some of these can be quite intense, mm-hmm. <laughs> which, again, mm-hmm. is a mixed thing around that. Um, so I, I really do think, even from it's like mentally to not be in my head, right, and distracted by these thoughts, I need something like being pinched, right, that brings me to the moment. I mean, I think there are many different factors. Um, but I most want to say that when and if somebody feels like, quote unquote, they need a vibrator, that there's no shame in that. Right. Um, use what works for you. But to your point also, expand sort of your repertoire practices. So maybe exploring more G-spot stimulation mm-hmm. um, and using like the uh, pure one, like, which is a stainless steel, like two and a half pounds. Like there's many different, like if you look at pressure different kinds of toys so and you know even going outside of the vibrator realm to more of the pulsating tech like the satisfier the womanizer um again just helping people realize don't get scripted right you know whether it's in minimum sexual positions or like one or two sex toys i think that's where things get sort of mechanical or like people feel like they're in a rut yeah, no, that's what kind of what I was thinking when I heard you talk about that person who's having difficulty introducing it to her partner. And I, I didn't mean for her to teach her partner how to do it. It could just be herself finding new ways of having pleasure that is not necessarily a, a vibration. Absolutely. And I mean, let's be clear, we're still focusing on clitoris, which again, its sole function is pleasure. But again, our biggest sex organs are mind, our biggest organs are skin, head to toe. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I call it roaming hands, you mm-hmm. know, like your breath, you know, your inner thigh, the nape of your neck, like really sort of exploring these erogenous zones. And again, getting maybe into breathing practices and tantra, like, you know, people often come to me really frustrated of what's not working, and they don't even see all the things they haven't even yet explored or tried. Yeah, absolutely. And I know on your website, you have something that's called uh, a, a guide to clitoral play. Wait, hang, hang on one oh, second. Yeah. I just want to back up for one okay, second sure. because um, Megan mentioned a girl boner. And I guess we should shout out to August McLaughlin, okay. who's been on our show many times. And we want to tell our listeners to stay tuned because August is going to be on our show in the coming weeks. And she has some great things to talk about. She always speaks very well. So August, uh, we hope you're doing well. And we can't wait to have you on our show very very soon. Yay, that's nice. Thank you, baby. Let's just get back to this. Um, we were talking about clitoral stimulation and how that's important. Um, not only your skin and your, your body and other erogenous zones, but you have a guide to clitoral play for people who maybe don't know how to do it properly. Can you give us a little teaser or maybe describe a little tip or trick about how to play with your clit that's going to bring arousal? Sure, I'd be happy to, as well as let people know if they want to get my free guide. Um, they can either go to Great Life, Great Sex, um, and or you can just text DESIRE to 66866. Um, I find this joined by text is easy for a lot of people, especially when they're listening on podcasts. For so sure, yeah. again, text DESIRE to 66866. So um, what I love, and there's been so much research, Oh My God, Yes is another amazing resource, right? They've looked at, I think, uh, it's like 25,000 women that looked at the different ways in which they can bring themselves to orgasm. And so, um, and I think this is the thing about orgasm and masturbation often. It's like, we tend to know what we know and we don't know what we don't know. So we're not trying new things. Um, And so 
seeing and knowing there are many different ways to bring yourself to orgasm, I think just introducing that idea and planting that seed is sort of the first thing I want people to take away. So one of the ones that I love um, is something called double circle, which again, sometimes it can feel like a juggling act because you're going to be using both of your hands. But basically one hand, you're stimulating your clitoris and the other, your vaginal opening. And so sort of exploring in a circular motion or figure eight or ovals or whatever really technique feels good to you with one hand while exploring a different kind or faster stimulation at your vaginal opening. That's like patting your head and rubbing your tummy at the same time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, that's great brain health when you're doing, you know, two things at the same time, actually. And the other, and this one's important because a lot of people haven't played with it, which is edging, right? That bringing your partner or yourself really close to orgasm, backing off, and then letting some time go by or doing something that's less stimulating and then coming right up against the edge again and back. I would do a good three to four of those coming up because what we know is the longer you take to build arousal, the more intense your orgasms are going to be. In fact, um, I think this comes from the data from, oh my God, yes, but that 65% of women experienced longer and more intense orgasms through this practice of edging. Wow, that is great. And let's not forget to mention lube. I know not a lot of people like to touch their vagina and uh, and it's pulling at all. So if you want to put lube as much as you want, it's certainly going to make it feel a whole lot better. So, Han, what do you think about oh, and edging? I, I, wait, I, almost, I want to add to that. Like I tell women all the time, start with lube. Okay, because there you again, go. Lube is associated with arousal and wetness, right? And so start with already being wet because you're telling your mind, you know, to relax. Uh And to your point, it's not a pulling. It's it's a, like, it's a flow. It's a sensation, right, that's very pleasurable. Mm -hmm. So I actually start with, like, start with lube. Mm -hmm. We always do. We we love lube. But I I just want to ask Kara what she thinks about edging. Yeah, I'm very. Fr- I get very frustrated. I want my orgasm right away, <laughs> but he does it. He does it to me, and then oh, I was so close, you know. Like, I, and I really appreciate it at the end because I do have an amazing, intense orgasm. But I'm I'm a frustrated person when it comes to edging. <laughs> no patience. She wants it. Again, David, don't forget. I said we're all our own experts. Sometimes we want what we want when we want it. So, you know, yes. it's a balancing act. Help each other out there. Do a little bit of both. We well, do. And I, I'm I'm the person who wants to go slow and take it and build it up and come off and go back and come off and she's like stay there I want it now (laughs) no he does listen to my responses so I mean he's great at that so it's very funny that it's not something I would do to myself it's all I was just about to say I I don't know if I could do that to myself but David certainly does it when you take out your womanizer there's no edging oh no it's 30 seconds and we're done (laughs) (laughs) it's all good though I'm okay I can have more if I need more it's all good Oh, oh, Megan, this has been an amazing discussion. It's coming to the end of our show, and we love to leave our audience with some final sexy advice. So what would you say would be the top two things that someone could do today to help them stimulate their libido and enjoy some great sex tonight? Well, I would say it's about owning your own turn-on, right? And then, as I said earlier, arousal both mental and physical. So mentally, you could read something erotic. You could engage in some fantasy. Or I call it mentalizing, like mental rehearsal, thinking about like your greatest peak sex experiences and reliving it, like watching a movie with all five senses. So that's one thing you could do. And then on the physical front, you know, sort of the before play. So... Um, perhaps pulling out your favorite sex toy or sort of teasing yourself or bringing yourself to orgasm. But it's sort of like, again, that sense of more begets more. And so you can prioritize that you're, I just want to say, keeping your sexy pilot light on. 
that you're taking the time and the energy to be in the mood and sort of coming already in a state of anticipation. Mm-hmm. State of mind. I like that. Really getting it into your head first that this is what's going to happen. Yay. Absolutely. That's All right. great. Megan, thanks so much for that great information. We're going to tell everybody that because of you and your association with Love Honey, that we have an amazing gift basket worth over $100. Um, and for anybody to claim it, all they have to do is send an email to ask at carolandavid.com and they will be sending out the gift basket. We're going to keep this offer open for a couple of weeks. Why don't you also tell everyone how they can find you online, your social media, and your website? Um, sure. So my online, you can find me at greatlifegreatsex.com. And um, you could also, if you're interested in the seven techniques for mind-blowing pleasure and my free guide to clitoral play, you can go to, again, texting desire 66866. And on Instagram, I am uh, Fleming F-L-E-M-I-N-G. And I would just love for people to um, sign up and uh, potentially join my list or follow me on Instagram because I always love to have these conversations. Amazing. Thanks. And of course, if you missed any of that information, you just have to go to our website, thesexylifestyle.com, or all of our guests have their own guest page with all their information. You can contact them directly if you have any questions about sex, sexuality, or relationships. And of course, we're learning more and more every week from all our sexpert guests, and we certainly hope you guys are too. Absolutely. And we just want to take a moment to remind everybody about our new partnership with altplayground.net. That's A-L-T, playground.net. And if you're looking for an online open-minded community to find people and events in your area, you should join altplayground.net. It's a lifestyle site that's expanding to include lots of amazing lifestyle resources that will connect you with other like-minded folks. And remember, please stay sexy and healthy and follow all the suggested protocols issued by your local health authorities. Wash your hands, avoid touching your face, and practice social distancing. And don't forget to wear your mask. Um, Continue to listen to our show and visit our website, Sexy Lifestyle. And if you have any questions at all, you can always send us an email at ask at carolyndavid.com. Well, that's it for our show today. Dr. Megan Fleming, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I always love having conversations with you both. Always a pleasure. And of course, every week we want to thank all our listeners for being there week in and week out. Join us again next time for another hour of The Sexy Lifestyle, talking about sex, sexuality, and all the fun ways to spice up your sex life. Well, that's it for today, everyone. Remember, stay safe and, of course, stay sexy. Until next time. Thank you for joining Carol and David for this week's edition of The Sexy Lifestyle. We've got another one lined up next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The weekend is just around the corner, so try something new, spice it up, and you just might have the best sex ever. 